0: Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Thank you.
1: Welcome to the Pediatric Sports Medicine Podcast hosted by me, Dr. Mark Halstead. I cover current hot topics and recent research in the world of the young athlete relevant to healthcare professionals. This is the Pediatric Sports Medicine Podcast. Have you heard of PRISM? I'm not talking about APRISM, the geometric shape, but the sports medicine organization PRISM. If you haven't, you'll want to listen in as this has become a very important organization in the world of pediatric sports medicine, providing an opportunity for increased collaboration of sports medicine professionals and moving us forward in research in pediatric sports medicine. Not to mention, in a few short weeks, they will be holding their eighth annual meeting virtually, and it's a meeting you surely won't want to miss, especially if you work with young athletes. Today, we'll talk all things PRISM with some of its leaders. I'm Dr. Mark Halstead, your host, and this is the Pediatric Sports Medicine Podcast. Today on the podcast, we have four guests, all of whom have either been or will be president of the PRISM Society. Dr. Hank Chambers is a pediatric orthopedic surgeon and a clinical professor at University of California, San Diego. He directs the Southern California Cerebral Palsy Center at Rady Children's Hospital in San Diego and co-directs their 360 sports medicine program. He served as the first president of PRISM. Dr. Andrew Gregory is a pediatric sports medicine physician at Vanderbilt Children's Hospital in Nashville and an associate professor of pediatrics and orthopedics at Vanderbilt University Medical Center. He has been a team physician for multiple schools, colleges, and USA Volleyball. He was the first non-surgeon to act as president of PRISM. Dr. Mark Paterno is the scientific director of the Division of Occupational and Physical Therapy at Cincinnati Children's Hospital and a professor in the University of Cincinnati Department of Pediatrics. He has backgrounds both as a physical therapist and athletic trainer and is the current president of PRISM and first president with a background in athletic training and physical therapy. Dr. Cordelia Carter is a pediatric orthopedic surgeon at NYU Langone's Hassenfeld Children's Hospital and is an associate professor in the Department of Orthopedic Surgery at NYU Grossman School of Medicine. She is the director of the Women's as well as the Pediatric Sports Medicine Center and is in line to become the first female president of PRISM in 2022. Welcome to the pod, everyone.
2: Thanks, Mark. Mark.
1: Thank
3: you, Mark. Thanks Thanks, for having us.
1: So PRISM, which stands for Pediatric Research in Sports Medicine, is a group that was founded in 2012, comprised of 14 pediatric sports surgeons, sports medicine physicians, athletic trainers, and physical therapists. That organization has grown significantly in size over the last eight years. And I'd like to start our discussion with Hank and giving us some background into what spurred the idea to form PRISM and discuss the first meeting of the organization. Well, thanks, Mark.
2: It's kind of an interesting story. Half of my practice is taking care of children with cerebral palsy. And there's so many specialties that work in that group, you know, as far as the surgeons and the pediatricians and the, and the therapist. And I started realizing that that's so true of sports medicine as well. It's not something new, but realize that that's who, who take care of all the kids. We had the research on osteochondritis to secans of the knee, which was started by Kevin Shea and a group of us. I started realizing that we can't do this by ourselves just as pediatric orthopedic surgeons. We need to have the whole team together. So we figured out how can we get an organization together to do this kind of research, realizing that there's so many different aspects. So we started looking at organizations that are around, like the American Academy of Pediatrics. They have a subspecialty area, the Pediatric Orthopedic Society of North America. They're interested in sports. We realized that there wasn't a separate organization that would address all of the needs And also treat everyone equally. If you're not a pediatrician, you wouldn't be an equal member of the American Academy of Pediatrics, for example, or POSNA for for that. So we got together and uh, came up with this idea to form PRISM. And, And starting a new organization is very difficult. As a past president of the American Academy of Cerebral Palsy, I had some contacts around the country, and I was able to get our current management team, EDI, out of Milwaukee to take on a very small organization with a startup with no capital. And then they were very helpful. My wife still remembers the fact that I had a very large credit card bill, because when you incorporate a, a company, you have to get a legal representation and all the work that goes into that. But we wouldn't have been able to start without our partners in industry. And Orthopediatrics stepped up right away when I talked to them, and they gave us the seed money that got us going and is actually still keeping our organization afloat. So I'm really proud of the 14 of us that were together coming up with this idea and how this has progressed over the time. If you all get a chance to go to a PRISM meeting, the people are listening to this podcast, it's one of the most exciting meetings I've been to. There's a buzz going on. People are finally realizing this is their field, pediatric sports medicine, no matter what subspecialty they come from. And so I'm very proud to have been there at the beginning, and I'm still proud to be a member of this organization.
1: Yeah, I'd certainly agree. I've, with that sentiment, I've been going, this is, I think this would be my fourth year if we were in person. And I, it's certainly, I agree with that buzz that's there. I've told people, it kind of reminds me of having been in the early parts of AMSSM, and Andrew can probably relate to this as well, where it was a smaller group. It was a lot easier to get to know people. We had a lot of collegiality going on there. And it's just, it's just, there's a lot of energy that's involved there. And it's been really an exciting group to be with. And you know, Andrew, you're the first non-surgeon to head up PRISM, and if I'm correct, you were the only physician who wasn't an orthopedic surgeon in the original 14. What what made you want to be part of the organization when it started? And just tell us a little bit about your experience as president of PRISM with 2019 to
3: 2020. Sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. I just want to kind of acknowledge our our group of founders in that their vision for this idea of being all inclusive, different backgrounds and professionals who take care of young athletes was really part of the reason that I was interested and, and I felt there was some really good value. The other piece is that many of these other organizations that were a big part of research is not necessarily their focus. So if you look at the Academy of Pediatrics or American Medical Society of Sports Medicine, which is now getting more involved, but that really wasn't their focus. And so not only is this a very kind of niche group for us that take care of young athletes, but also this idea that we can kind of put our groups together on research projects that you probably couldn't do on your own and get some answers to these questions in our field that we all have had throughout our careers. And I find it very sort of invigorating to be part of. And Again, I give credit to the founders who who saw that vision and really kind of got it going. I think one of the the challenges, and Hank probably felt more of this than than the rest of us, but our other organizations that we're a part of, I think sometimes didn't necessarily support it. There was definitely some resistance in getting it going. What is this Splinter organization going to do? And I think all we do is complement what we do with other organizations. And one of the nice things about that, I think for me going forward, is that we can now work together with other groups and and getting these projects done. And then as far as my experience as president, I went through a a change with our executive director and that was a challenge, but we were able to make that happen. And we have a, a great executive director, Chris Haskin, who's just been awesome. Luckily, our annual meeting happened before the pandemic occurred, and so we were able to gather together and, and still have our meeting at a time when a lot of other organizations were unable to. And so I'm, I'm very glad of the fact that that was able to happen.
1: Yeah, we had our last uh, meeting in Phoenix in January 2020, and then the two months later, COVID changed the face of research and our sports medicine practices significantly. And you know, Mark, you've been president during a very challenging year. Certainly, I know clinical research studies that were assessing patients in clinic took a big hit this year. I know one of the ones I've been involved with with concussion research has been pretty much non-existent as far as enrolling new patients in. You know, we have a meeting that will be virtual at the end of January 2021, not exactly the year I suspect you were envisioning as the first AT&PT to head the organization. Tell us about some of these challenges as president this past year, even for you personally in your role as a researcher.
4: Thanks so much, Mark. It's great to be part of the podcast tonight. And thanks so much for inviting us. This has certainly been a challenging year for us, I think, as we mentioned. We started off the year in our meeting in Phoenix, and it was an exciting time for PRISM. And we had a great meeting, but then unfortunately, soon thereafter, we were limited by the pandemic. The a you know, year that we started with the hope of having really starting some great initiatives towards our strategic plan, looking to expand our membership, try to create new opportunities for those who are members, doing more online education through webinars. A lot of our initiatives, which we had hoped to really act on through the year, unfortunately have taken a bit of a backseat to transitioning our annual meeting to a virtual meeting and also just managing a year within the pandemic. So definitely has been a shift in focus for this year, you know, thinking about, The many things that we as an organization were hoping to accomplish this year. Unfortunately, we will probably not achieve a lot of the strategic goals that we initially hoped to for this year, but I think it just creates great opportunity for us moving forward. I think moving to the virtual meeting has been a good experience. I think we're really going to have some great opportunities within the annual meeting this year, specifically having enduring content that will last for 12 months. So folks who are able to register and attend the meeting can attend for the next 12 months. So they'll be able to see some great, great content at their leisure throughout the next year. And in addition, gave us some unique opportunities as well to make sure we're highlighting some of the great research which is being done within our organization. So although it's been a bit of a pivot for us on the planning of the virtual meeting and really some of the activity of our organization through the year, I think in the long run, it's going to be a great opportunity for us moving forward. And we look forward to getting back to an in-person meeting hopefully next year. So definitely a bit of a challenge. Personally, though, as a researcher, I think it's been equally as challenging, as we know, for all of us who do research, and especially those who do research which involve interactions with patients, interaction with research subjects. Uh, we were all shut down for many months, and I think for many of us were very fortunate to have understanding funding sources, which allowed us to extend the length in which we would need to complete our study, because. You know, as we mentioned, we just really needed to shut things down for the safety of everybody. But it's been great to bounce back. We've seen my study, as you mentioned, look specifically at outcomes after ACL reconstruction. And we've really seen some great comebacks with as far as getting our studies back up and going. And it's really given us an opportunity to look into what the effect of COVID is. On some of these athletes as they're trying to get back to sports. So it's given us the opportunity to ask some unique questions of our research subjects and within our studies, but it's certainly threw us a big curveball having to really shut down our, our research operations for many months as well. So it's been quite a challenging year that would go without saying, Mark.
1: Yeah, so I'm I'm curious just what everybody else's experience has been, either just from a clinical, a surgical, a research standpoint of how others that we have on the podcast here, if if anybody else has had any unique or significant challenges. I, I mean, obviously, we probably all have very similar things that we've dealt with and struggled with over the last nine months or so.
2: Of course, you know, the kids aren't playing sports and so we aren't getting as many injuries and uh, which is good in one way, but it's not great for your practice. I think we're all dealing with that. And I know my sports partners that do full-time sports at Rady are struggling a little bit to, you know, see enough patients to keep their practice going. But I think we all know that's going to come around. I do want to say something about the meeting that Mark brought up because we've had several of these online meetings over the last year. And I find that, although I miss seeing all the people, as far as the content, it's so much better, especially with all the different concurrent sessions. Half the time when you go to a meeting, you miss two thirds of the meeting because something great is going on. So I think that's a really great opportunity with this meeting and other meetings that we've had during the year.
0: I'll echo that. I mean, I think we've even talked in the past about how we can leverage actually not just a virtual meeting platform, but just technology to make the fantastic and truly unique research I think that the members of PRISM do, available not just to PRISM members and not even just to within the United States or even North America, but to the larger world. And I think that being able to have our content be available you know, online anytime will help us to grow as an organization as well as to connect nationally and internationally. I, I think this is an opportunity, but just as you said, Hank, I think many of us are feeling that that struggle of, well, kids aren't playing sports right now. And then even you know other unique challenges, actually my patient today was scheduled for an osteochondral allograft of a, a large, really you know unstable osteochondritis to seconds lesion and matched a graft and we're ready to go. It's got an expiry date of January 3rd and his preoperative COVID test comes back positive. So I think in many ways this year has taught us that, you know, even the best laid plans can go awry, and 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 really, we have to roll with the punches a little bit more than even we're used to.
1: Yeah, I think it's a it's a unique challenge, but I think those organizations that are ready to pivot and try and take advantage of this rather than kind of. Looking through the doom and gloom as oh we couldn't have our in person meeting, I, I think are the ones that are really going to thrive out of this. And you know, I think uh, us being a new organization really has the opportunity to to make that pivot. I think easily a lot more easily than some of the really big organizations that it's a much more logistical challenge to make this change. And Cordelia, you are going to be Prism's first female president taking over in twenty twenty two. It's truly great to see, and certainly a step in the right direction for being a reflection of the diversity in our world of pediatric sports medicine. It's also important, especially knowing that the original fourteen in Prism were all men. I see such strong women in pediatric sports medicine, especially in the world of research. You know, I personally think of people like Tina Master, Tamara McLeod, Katie Rizone, Allison Brooks, Kate Ackerman, Emily Krauss, Don Constopped. as just few who pop into my head that I've either worked with personally on studies or know well. And that's just from the non surgical and athletic training side of things, you know, not counting those on the surgical side. Cordelia, where do you see PRISM's role with supporting women who are interested in conducting pediatric sports medicine research?
0: Uh, Well, first, uh, thanks so much for having me on the podcast. I'm really excited to be here, and honestly, to be uh, joining the ranks of this whole crowd. And I also just want to say that this is, you know, this is one of those times where you say, "Wow, I'm really standing on the shoulders of giants." And that whole list that you just mentioned, in addition to, you know, I've got 50 more names that pop into my head. I almost feel like this is it's a it's a team effort, and so I'm so grateful and uh, honestly honored and humbled to be able to do this and to represent Prism. I think in terms of Prism's role. In supporting women specifically interested in conducting pediatric sports medicine research. Partly it's simply the way that we are set up. I think we'll talk about the RIGs more at length, but the RIGs are our research interest groups, and they are by very nature incredibly collaborative and they provide opportunities for anybody and everybody who is interested in pursuing research to get involved. And it, you know, notwithstanding what your practice setting or situation or research support at your own institution looks like. And that's a, a, not simply for women, but, you know, for all members of PRISM. And so I think that that collaboration is something that, that all of us are so excited about because it, it it isn't just natural. It doesn't always just happen. I also think something that's really wonderful about PRISM is that unlike some of the other organizations of which I'm a member, for example, like the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons, which, it, you know, per its last count, and and these numbers will need to be updated, but there's only six percent of women are members of AAOS, and again, that number is growing. But we really know that you need a thirty percent membership tipping point for really everybody to feel truly included as a speaking and well represented members. And I think you know Prism has that. We we have had that right from its inception, actually. If not fifty percent, then a goodly minority of our membership are women. And I think just the fact of that and having a room people, you know, be it virtually uh, or in person with other women just leads to more collaboration. I think it's happening naturally, honestly.
2: Cordelia, could you talk about your work with the nth dimensions? Because that's a very important thing that you brought to our organization.
0: Sure diversity in pediatric sports medicine has been even before you know my time has been something that the board of directors has said this is something we need to focus on and and make a cornerstone of our organization and our organizational growth you know early on we devised a diversity mission statement so that everybody knew that and knew that it was something that we were thinking about and we formulated a plan for you know how we were going to honor that and one of the ways that we've been able to do that early on is by partnering with Nth Dementia which is an organization that is actually not just for orthopedics. It's also, I think they do physical medicine, rehabilitation, and I think some rheumatology as well. But basically it's a pipeline building program that reaches out to underrepresented minorities in, I think, college as well as medical school to make sure that they've got all the opportunities and the connections and support that they need in order to be successful. And and that includes mentoring and education, teaching and tutoring for boards, exams, and that kind of stuff. We've been able, again, to, to partner with nth dimensions and at several of our last meetings have hosted at least four and i think at one year we had six students and when i say hosted i actually mean these students submitted abstracts based on their research and you know blinded peer-reviewed and accepted and we've been able to have them come to the meetings and be chaperoned and sort of even mentored in how to attend an academic meeting and make connections and do some of this collaborative stuff that we were just talking about so that's something that we'll certainly have to continue to build on, but has been so successful actually early on. I think the first year that we did it, and as mentioned, student won the best, the most, the, your award, Hank, the, the most promising uh, student award at the annual meeting.
1: Mark, you've got the pulse on where things are from a membership standpoint for PRISM. Where where does PRISM stand now as an organization for membership, you know, numbers wise, you know, kind of breakdown of our membership as far as disciplines?
4: Yeah, that's a great question, Mark. So we've got, our membership is growing. I mean, we have between 350 and 400 members, which is a great growth for us at this point in our young career. But I think the beauty of the membership is what you mentioned, it's the incredible diversity that we see. I think early on in our history, we probably had more orthopedic surgeons than any other discipline with sports medicine physicians, physical therapists and athletic trainers, probably lagging somewhat behind as far as the size of membership. We've seen increases in the diversity of our membership, but also the size of some of those smaller groups from the initial years of PRISM, whereas today, probably still, I would assume about 50% of our membership does represent orthopedic surgeons, but sports medicine physicians, athletic trainers, physical therapists, sports nutritionists, nurses, nurse practitioners do represent and fill in the rest of our, our membership, which again, really speaks to, you know, really the beauty of the organization, I think. And it's one thing I like about the organization so much is that you get such diverse contributions professionally from individuals of different backgrounds who are contributing to not just the leadership of the organization and how the organization is growing, but also to a lot of the research that's being done. As Cordelia mentioned, our rigs or our research interest groups are really kind of a a cornerstone of our organization and having great representation from all these professions to help design research and help drive some of these important questions moving forward is really, I think, really the beauty of the organization. We love to see that diversity of membership, and we're so thankful to see representation and seeing growth in representation from, again, sports medicine physicians, PTs, ATs, and other organizations within PRISM.
0: Can I just add to that one thing I meant to say earlier is that I think again with that diversity it's a real opportunity to model and mentor right it's the whole like if I can see it I can be it and that's not just for women or men or, or you know however you define yourself but it's also really I think there's plenty of physical therapists who might say you know I've got a very clinical bent and then and I think that prism can be really eye opening and so you know looking at so many of the physical therapists who are doing like really exemplary research that that changes the field. So I think that that opportunity to see what everybody else is doing in a collaborative way is really exciting. And, and I again, I think it's one of the things that makes PRISM so unique.
1: We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will be discussing the upcoming annual meeting for PRISM.
0: Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com.
1: Dr. Mark Halstead here. Do you like what you're hearing on the Pediatric Sports Medicine Podcast? If you want to learn how your business, organization, or effort can benefit from my focused audience of professionals interested in pediatric sports medicine, connect with us and let's have a conversation. You can reach out to us at PediatricSportsMedicinePodcast.com. In today's world, time is everything. When editing podcasts, <laughs> you know as well as I do, time flies. But it's not the good kind of time flying. It's the kind of time that eats a hole in your pocket. Reclaim the time you lose when you edit your podcast. Connect with The Editor Core. The Editor Core is a group of seasoned, experienced podcast editors that'll get your editing done and out the door. Use your reclaimed time to make more content. Make your podcast soar with The Editor Core. EditorCore.com That's EditorCore.com We are back, and I'm with several of the leaders, past, present, and future from Prism, the Pediatric Research and Sports Medicine Society. Let's talk about the meeting in general. I'm excited about this, even like I said, even though we can't meet in person, which is one of the real attractive parts of, of our, our group and its size. You know, I've been coming, as I mentioned earlier, since the, the fourth meeting, the fourth annual meeting, it was held at Dallas at Scottish Rite Hospital for Children. You know, we're a side that makes it easy for others to get to know each other pretty well. Andrew, can you talk about the meeting format in general so people have an idea of how we normally conduct a meeting? And then I'll have Mark touch on what the plans are for this year's meeting being virtual.
3: I would say some big picture things to understand is that we are trying to recreate virtually a lot of the things that we do in person normally. And that's a challenge, but I'm excited in what we've been able to do so far. Obviously, we'll have our keynote speakers like we normally do. We'll have breakout sessions for the research interest groups, which Cordelia mentioned. We'll try to have some interactive sessions regarding cases like we normally do. And I think one of the real challenges that we're trying to work out is to have kind of a social type setting where you can have chat rooms, et cetera. And as people have already mentioned, I think one of the the real values is kind of making connections. And that's one of the things we're going to have to learn how to do virtually. But to me, one of the beauties is I think I've talked to a lot of people who have said, hey, I've I've heard about this group. I'm interested in coming to the meeting, but I just have a lot of meetings to go to normally. And so this provides an opportunity, I think, to bring in some people who we haven't necessarily reached yet and expose them to what we do. And just like Cordelia mentioned, kind of open their eyes to opportunities that may they may not be aware of. Even though this is our first venture into this, I'm excited about it. I think we are going to be able to reproduce what we normally do at our annual meeting. And my expectation going forward is that this will be a part of our annual meeting, Hopefully we can meet in person, but also provide this opportunity for other people who can't join us on site.
4: Yeah, definitely. Just to echo some of Andrew's great comments about that, I do think we do see this as an opportunity to hopefully provide outstanding content as we would every year for our membership, but also to hopefully introduce PRISM to those who are interested, but maybe just didn't have the ability or the opportunity in years past to make it to a meeting. And speaking as a physical therapist and athletic trainer, I'm interested in getting more folks from those professions introduced to PRISM. And I think having a virtual meeting, which you know, in all honesty is more cost-effective for those folks to attend, hopefully we can give an opportunity to introduce PRISM to many more people this year at the meeting. I think Andrew did a great job highlighting some of those key factors that really are cornerstones to our meetings, such as those keynote addresses and the rig meetings and the instructional course lectures, all of which will be part of the meeting, whether it's in live content, which our keynotes will be live, but also giving that enduring content, which lasts through the year. And I think also just from a standpoint of trying to really introduce PRISM to new members, we really tried to make the pricing very competitive and really offer discounts, especially for students. And new members who want to be introduced to Prism, we tried to make the pricing very competitive and really very cost effective to really give an opportunity for people to experience Prism this year and hopefully want to become members and continue to be part of Prism as we move forward.
1: You talked about the keynotes, like any highlights of who's maybe our keynote speakers for this year and and maybe some of the topics of some of the, the lectures and sessions going on?
4: Certainly. So Baxter Holmes is speaking first and he's going to talk to us a little bit about kind of sports specialization and, and really the effect of sport participation on kids. So we really look forward to hearing him and you know, a nationally known speaker. And again, he'll be able to probably bring a little different perspective to our group on that sports participation in young kids. And also we have Carolyn Emery, who's just a well, well-known epidemiologist who is probably one of the most well-published sports epidemiologists today, who's going to talk to us a little bit about from a sports epidemiological perspective as well. So we're really excited to have those two keynote speakers with us, as well as having just some really outstanding instructional course lectures. We've got some looking at overhead athletes, some looking at ACL reconstruction, return to sport, a lot of those really key topics, which I think all of us, concussion, another great topic that will be covered in some of our instructional course lectures. So again, some really great topics, which we know will be of interest to our membership as well.
1: And Cordelia, you talked and alluded to, and we've talked a little bit about these research interest groups or RIGs. We have a bunch of them, which is, I think, kind of probably the heartbeat of PRISM. You know, how exactly do they work if we're trying to explain it for someone who doesn't know what PRISM does?
0: Yes, uh, if you would allow me, I'd like to t- actually tout the annual meeting one more time, because I would be remiss if I didn't mention that the cases and cocktails, which we always have, we're still having cases and spirited discussions. So so we are trying very hard to really recreate the whole <laughs> the whole the whole uh experience even if we have to do it virtually. And I'll say something else I think about the annual meeting that you know we always hit honestly the most up-to-date research with all those things that are the hot topics like concussion and ACL but I think something that PRISM also does really well is make sure that we're also talking about topics that are important, but maybe not always on the, on the headlines. And that's like the para-athletes, transgender athletes. One of the ICLs this year is on athlete wellness. And so I think that PRISM always does a really nice job of balancing the annual meeting content. So there really is something for everybody. And I know you didn't ask me that question, so I'll move on. But I, I just I was getting excited about it, so I wanted to add it. Well, as far as the research interest groups or the rigs go, as you say, they are really the heartbeat of Prism and one of the things that make it it's so unique. We have, I want to say, 16 or 17 least research interest groups, and they run the gamut from common things like patellar instability to truly niche pediatric topics like the discoid lateral meniscus to even more esoteric ones like multiligamentous knee injury in kids, which is something that's really underpublished in literature, as well as you know looking at things like ultrasound and the use of ultrasonography and diagnosing and treating pediatric athletes and their injuries. And we've got a female athlete rig as well. So there are 16 or 17 rigs and they run the gamut. And so again, there's really something that anybody should be able to be interested in. In terms of how they work, it's something that you apply for and then are appointed to the terms tend to run two to three years for us to be a member of a research interest group, although we've had some fluidity with this recently. And, you know, I think we're coming to such an exciting time. Or Over the last year or two, we've been in a really exciting time because the rigs are starting to bear fruit. Initially, I think a low-hanging fruit was was what was plucked, right? It was the sort of like surveys of the society and even just trying to understand how we treat or how we as a group think about injuries like a discoid lateral meniscus but I think that now, you know, the next step is we've been working to set up multi-center trials and prospective studies, and, and it's going to be that legwork that, that we're going to start to see even more impactful research come out in the next couple of years. Hank,
1: how can being a part of PRISM help an individual who is interested in pediatric sports medicine, but just really isn't so sure about research?
2: Yeah, I think you've heard from the, just the rest of us tonight about what this organization is. Even though research is in the title... And we're all excited about that. When you come to an annual meeting, you're getting instructional course lectures. You're getting to meet the people who've done the research. You may suddenly become interested in research. You may be in a, a situation where you've never done it. You don't have a mentor. You don't have the infrastructure. But this organization will provide that for you, Whether you can partner with someone. If you have an idea, that we'd all be interested in studying it. I think what everyone's talked about today is exactly what our vision was when we started this eight or nine years ago, is that we get people that are interested in research in all aspects of this, but that is going to reach the entire field of pediatric sports medicine, no matter what your specialty is.
1: And touching on that vision part of things, Cordelia, as a future president of PRISM, what kind of vision do you have for the organization that just seems to continue to have steady growth year after year?
0: I think in addition to just ensuring that growth and and ensuring that we maintain the value, you know, membership value for our members uh, as we grow, I think that one of the things that members of PRISM are most proud of is the fact that it is multidisciplinary and that none of us have encountered anything like it in the rest of our, you know, academic lives. Part of the vision would be not just having it be multidisciplinary, but really ensuring that we become and and stay seamlessly integrated. And, And I think that's going to take active work. Because we all naturally sort of populate to our corners. But I I think working to, again, seamless integration of that is something I think to work towards. And then to me, the next step, and, and I think this may not have been something that was originally envisioned, is advocacy. You know, I always say that the research I want to do, I want it to be used to change the world. Right? And so whether that's we're going to use our research to make a case to the insurance companies that kids need more physical therapy or a different kind of physical therapy, or we need to actually be paying for psychological readiness training and mental health counseling and all of this other stuff, I mean, I think if that's one way that we can make that argument an evidence-based argument or to, again, insurance companies, then maybe we can change outcomes for our patients and our young athletes. And so I think that's a natural extension of what we already do. And I think there's so many different ways in which we can be advocates as long as we you know, maintain a focus. But to me, that's the next step is, is now using the research that we create to change the world and to make it better.
1: So how about each of the rest of you, your three of the 14 founding members for Prism, where do you see, obviously, vision casting is going to be something more in the past, but you still have input. Do you guys have any other thoughts as far as where you'd like to see the organization go as being part of the founders?
2: I'm as one of the original founders, like you said, I'm very proud of where we've gone. We've had a great success in getting leaders in both the higher levels of the president the presidential line, but also the leaders of the research interest groups. Everybody is excited and gets the work done. And it's always hard to do when you're doing so many other things in your life, whether it's your research at your own institution or more particularly just taking care of patients and also taking care of your family. I'm very happy with where we're going. And I think we're going to keep going and getting better.
3: One of the pieces that we've we've already mentioned that, that I think we will continue to improve on is the infrastructure for these research interest groups and providing more research support, whether that is financially or whether that is organizationally with really administrative support. That, that's where I think the real challenge for most people is from a research perspective. And then the other piece that we've mentioned before, but I just want to highlight again, is that we really have still have work to do for diversification. And again, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that that's been a part of this from the beginning, but we still have to improve.
4: Yeah, I think for my vision too, I mean I just to build on those great comments I couldn't that any of them better myself, but I guess for my vision too would be just to really continue to see the incredible growth of diversity of professions which are well represented within our organization. I think Prism is just unique from a standpoint that it's not predominantly run by one profession or one discipline. It's one that really has engaged and embraced the contributions of all professions that contribute to the care of the young athlete. And I think that vision really has been strong from the beginning whenever Hank started PRISM, but I think it continues on today. And it's one that I hope continues to grow because I think it's only when all of us collaborate well and continue to communicate well when we get the best outcome for our athletes, whether that's clinically with each patient that we see every day or through research efforts and even our education. I think, you know, the more we're able to see those diverse contributions from many professions, the better we'll be able to serve our patients.
1: If each of you were going to try and sell Prism, and all of you have given excellent points so far as a reason why to to join Prism, realizing there's competition, ACSM, AMSSM, AOSSM, AAP, NATA, APTA, what would your pitch be if you had a couple line kind of sales pitch? And I'll start with Cordelia.
0: Sure, I think you know I think we're hearing a lot of the same words used and it's because they're true and the first is that prism is really unique honestly there there isn't anything else like it in terms of being so multidisciplinary and and to have every member I think feel so respected and valued is unique and and I, I the same like C words that we keep saying which I mean I think we're complementary I think we're collegial we're collaborative and and all of those things at the end of the day make prism a really fun organization to be a part of. I think the reason we're bemoaning being able to have our meeting in person is because the energy at our meetings is palpable. There's a palpable excitement and a buzz because we get to exchange ideas with people who have similar interests, but different experiences. And that's, you know, that's really how we learn and grow. Last week, I was recording with my instructional course lecture group. We were recording our ICL. And honestly, we stayed on, the six of us stayed on. And actually, and some of us have never even met each other. But stayed on for 30 extra minutes just to sort of brainstorm ideas and get to know each other. And I think a little tiny example of what happens at our larger meetings and at our larger organization. And so honestly, being a part of PRISM is just so fun.
2: Um, I'll have to say when I first started this, I went to the presidents of many of those organizations that you mentioned and got a lot of pushback. Like, why would you want to do this? Because it's all part of our organization. And I had to tell them, we're not really trying to start a new organization just to compete with you. We are there to have a home for everyone. So every organization like Posna might have five papers for pediatric sports, but we know that many of us, that that's a big part of our practice. Just like Cordelia said, we're selling our group as a collegial group that we're all going to the same purpose of taking care of the young athlete.
3: Yeah, so I'm simple minded. So I don't have many Twitter followers. But I've said this before. And that is, if you take care of young athletes, this organization is the place for you. And it is not trying to replace any of your other parent organizations, whether that's ACSM, AMSSM, or AAP in my world. It just really adds additional value. And I'm just trying to get people to try it out because I think if you come once, then you're going to be hooked and, and want to be a part of it. Again, I'll, I'll say again, if you take care of young athletes, this is the place for you.
4: My comments are similar to Andrew's that if you know if that's your passion to to care for or do research on or you know do educational work around the young athlete, and that's really your focus area, then you know this is really one place where, again, as I mentioned before, all disciplines that take care of those populations come together and really work together as a team. If you're up for being an engaging team member in the management of that young athlete, then this is definitely the place for you.
1: And I totally echo as another non-operative sports medicine pediatric physician as Andrew, you know, I, I see PRISM as totally complementary to what I do with AMSSM and what I do with AAP. And I'm still very actively involved with both of those organizations, but PRISM just, it has a different flavor. It has a different focus and it's really been a, a good addition to an organization to belong to. And finally, I'd love to hear from each of you how PRISM has benefited you personally in your career in pediatric sports medicine. We'll start with Mark.
4: It's provided a great networking opportunity as a physical therapist and athletic trainer, but also as a researcher. I mean, I really value the interaction and the opportunities to really work closely, not just with my PT and AT colleagues, but also with physicians, many types of physicians and, and other specialists, biomechanists, uh, you know, nurses and nurse practitioners who manage the care of that, that those patients. And it's really, personally, it's been just a nice, nice opportunity to have one place physically, a place for a meeting or not, or as one place as a group that you can come together and work collectively. So having that opportunity to really you know, bring all those diverse professions together has been wonderful for me. And you just meet lots of great, great people who are all motivated towards the same goal of taking care of, of those athletes. So I think uh, for me, it's just been the opportunity to kind of create strong networks with just great, great colleagues.
3: I'm proud to have been one of the founders, but I, I think trying to bridge that gap between the surgeons and the non-surgeons who do the same thing and take care of the same athletes. Because we have separate organizations, a lot of times we're not necessarily aware of what each other's are doing. And so I think this was a real place where that could happen. And I, I hopefully brought some of my non-surgical colleagues along with me to, to join in. And one of the other pieces of the puzzle that I think us as a young organization where we weren't necessarily recognized, there is a, a larger group called the Joint Commission on Sports Medicine, where you have all these societies that you've already alluded to that come together, and I tried to bring us to that group and so that we're now a known entity, and people will come to us for our expertise. And so I'm really proud to be a part of it. I don't know that that myself individually did anything special, but I think for me personally, I think, to see this come to fruition has just been invaluable.
0: I would start simply with education, actually. And I think truly the learning that happens at our annual meeting, be it in person or virtually, is just of the highest caliber. And so whether it's me understanding whom we have to go recruit in terms of a sports dietitian or how to do a quick mental health assessment for patients in my office that would will then meaningfully help me understand a clear kid to go back after an ACL reconstruction I think the the first piece is simply the education has benefited my personal practice and then the second piece is research and so I get to be part of one of those rigs now that is just having its research come to fruition and will be published and presented and that's just really exciting you know I think most important for me personally it's just the colleagues that I've been able, To cultivate, which sounds more purposeful than I meant it to, because what I really mean is, gosh, I've made so many friends, and that's why the meetings are fun. And it's and it's friends from that that don't always like look like me and have the same background, and so it's so fun and cool to sit down and exchange ideas. And and I think that is where probably where I have benefited the most is 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 the friends that I've made.
2: I think it's really leveled the playing field, to use the sports analogy. You know, we all work in these silos of pediatric orthopedic surgeons. Of course, think they know everything there is to know about sports medicine, which I think that's probably true. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I was laughing on mute. <laughs> we, know
2: everything. we go, why, why do we need therapists? We just suddenly need a therapy. But now we're understanding what all this means. And to have colleagues in all these different fields, has really helped changed my career and helped me understand you know the, all the different aspects of the child who is playing sports, not just their injuries and how to repair their a c l or reconstruct their a c l but you know what's going on in their mental health and what are the benefits and the detriments of playing sports for children when we talked about having a vision where we sat down and figured out if we could get this organization together i'm just so proud to have been part of it from the beginning, and just to watch it grow and I'm really looking forward to what's going to happen over the next 10
1: years. And I'll just finish with my own little personal testimony myself. You know, I, as someone who's not in the president lineage and as someone who wasn't one of the founders, I, as also someone now 16 years into my clinical practice, probably midway through my career, I had very literally dabbled in research and was not something that was on my radar, although had been something I had been interested in. And, and I took Andrew's encouragement to come to the meeting and I was glad I did. And I'm a part of two different rigs now and am involved with three different studies right now. And we've actually collected a, a decent amount of information and some really interesting stuff. I mean, I'm involved with a concussion one and unique bone stress injury, and we've done some really interesting stuff, multi-center that I don't think would have happened at all without the opportunity. Opportunity to be part of this group at Prism. So, you know, if you're someone who is like me, who is mostly clinical but does have some interest in research, but you need some other people who have done this a little bit before. And you need some people who can prop you up with that and help support you with that. PRISM is really a place to be. And there, there are some great clinical questions that I think we're going to answer that have been out there in pediatric sports medicine for a long time that we're just, <laughs> we're using our personal experience, but don't have the data to back it up that we're probably going to be able to answer some of those questions. So don't hesitate if you're someone like me who really wants to maybe dabble a little bit, but just doesn't know how, because uh, it's been really great to work with some of these people in PRISM. So I'd love to thank each of our guests today, Dr. Hank Chambers, Dr. Cordelia Carter, Dr. Mark Paterno, and Dr. Andrew Gregory, who gave us all a little bit more insight into PRISM, the Pediatric Research and Sports Medicine Society. The eighth annual meeting will be held virtually, starting with sessions on Thursday, January 28th through Saturday, January 30th, with the Research Interest Group meeting. So RIG meetings will be held on the Tuesday and Wednesday prior to the meeting. The majority of the meeting will be in the evenings and afternoons, so it should work with most people's schedules. It looks to be a great meeting. I'm really looking forward to being a part of it virtually this year as well. Really hopeful that we have our meeting in person in Houston in 2022, but we'll see what happens. And we will have links in our show notes to the program agenda and links so that you could register for the meeting and obviously links to PRISM as well. Be sure to check out our entire podcast library at pediatricsportsmedicinepodcast.com. We appreciate your positive feedback as it helps us get the word out. And if you haven't left a rating or feedback yet, please take a quick moment to do so through your favorite podcast streaming platform. Subscribe to our podcast so you won't miss a new episode and be sure to tell your colleagues about us. I'm Dr. Mark Halstead, your host, and this has been the Pediatric Sports Medicine Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you will join us for future episodes. Find my entire library of episodes at pediatricsportsmedicinepodcast.com. I'm Dr. Mark Halstead, and this has been the Pediatric Sports Medicine Podcast.